Good morning, faithful listener. You are listening to the Bible Explained podcast, where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and stay tuned as we read through the book of Luke. Hello and good morning, friends and faithful listeners. You are listening to the Bible Explained podcast this morning. Thank you for tuning in on this lovely Tuesday morning to read the scriptures with me. And today we will be reading Luke chapter 23, verses 26 through 43. So let's just get into this today. And so grab your Bible and your cup of coffee or your cup of tea. And let's go ahead and read this. I'll be reading out the W.E.B. version as I usually do. But feel free to grab the version you prefer to read out of. And let's just sit back and relax for the reading. Of God's word. When they led him away, they grabbed one, Simon of Cyrene, coming from the country, and laid on him a cross to carry it after Jesus. A great multitude of the people followed him, including women who also mourned and lamented him. But Jesus, turning to them, said, Daughters of Jerusalem, don't weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming in which they will say, Blessed are the barren, the wombs that never bore, and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will begin to tell the mountains, fall on us and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things in the green tree, what will be done in the dry? There were also others, two criminals, led with him to be put to death. When they came to the place that is called the skull, they crucified him there with the criminals, one on the right and the other on the left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. Dividing his garments among them, they cast lots. The people stood watching. The rulers with them also scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if this is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. An inscription was also written over him in letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who was hanged insulted him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answered and rebuking him said, Don't you even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. He said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. All right, so I really want to talk today about where did Jesus go after he died? Because I don't think I've ever really talked about this before, and it's going to be a really fun episode, I think, to dive into. So starting out, though, let's talk about verses 26 through 31. So they led Jesus away to die after they had whipped him. His back was like peeling open from these wounds and uh, he was now supposed to carry his cross. Now, if you listen to some of my other episodes regarding Jesus carrying the cross, you'll know that the cross was around 75 to 120 ish pounds because it wasn't the entire cross. It was just like the beam that like went across was what uh, the prisoners would have to carry. So Jesus would have to carry this pretty heavy beam. And I don't know if you guys have ever had to carry like a log or some wood. I have because I live in the woods and, <laughs> and whenever like stuff falls onto my driveway, I have to get it out of the way so I can get out. And uh, we had a really terrible windstorm actually that fell a tree that was, we thought, a very healthy 
oak tree, but no, apparently it wasn't. It had a big split in the middle of it, and this windstorm actually fell this large oak tree. And uh, it was heavy. (laughs) It was extremely heavy that even the tractor couldn't uh, lift the entire thing. We had to chop it up into sections so that the tractor could get it and uh, lift it. But yes, wood is very, very heavy. And so I can't even imagine Jesus already with wounds on his back, several lashes, potentially his flesh stripped off his back and having to carry this beam across his back. Like, can you imagine how painful that was? This was what Jesus had to go through, this excruciating pain. And this also shows how strong physically Jesus was because he went through the backlashes and now he had to carry his crossbeam. He was doing all of this after sweating potential blood the night before, having literally no sleep the night before, and also being extremely dehydrated because we know that Jesus got very little to drink during all of this. So, I mean, Jesus was very physically strong to be able to endure all of this, but he had to. He was going to the cross for our sins. So now he's taking this crossbeam and clearly at a certain point, because he had to travel with this beam on his back for two miles. It was approximately two miles to Calvary, which means the, the place of the skull. So Jesus was walking along the road and there was this multitude behind him and he starts to give out. His strength is starting to give out. So the the Romans who were there with him, because the Romans would be carrying a sign saying that Jesus was a criminal, they pulled somebody from the crowd and this guy's name was Simon of Cyrene. And he was probably a traveler that was in Jerusalem because of the Passover. He was probably a Jewish person that lived in Africa, and he was from the area of Cyrene, which is now modern-day Libya. So this man was in the crowd. I don't know if they randomly just pulled somebody that uh, was very strong out of the crowd. I don't know what the Romans were thinking, or maybe there was some racism involved where they saw the color of his skin, but I don't know if that's the truth or not, because when I went into that last time, I, I did talk about how there's not a lot of evidence that... Rome was particularly super racist, but there could have been something there where they saw uh, an African man from Libya. And I don't know. But either way, they saw somebody in the crowd and this man happened to be Simon of Cyrene. And I'm sure that Simon of Cyrene wants nothing to do with any of this. He's probably just going along his merry way and does not want to help carry a criminal's cross. (laughs) And maybe he knew who Jesus was or maybe he didn't. We don't know. But uh, and honestly, we don't know a lot about Simon of Cyrene other than the fact that he was from Cyrene, which is modern day Libya. But there is some evidence that his sons became part of the movement of the Christian church later on. So possibly Simon carrying Jesus's cross This could have been a very defining moment of his spiritual life, having to carry Jesus's cross. Jesus is here with Simon of Cyrene carrying the cross a couple miles, and there's a multitude following Jesus. Once again, this was a very public event. This would have been on a very public road. And don't forget that the city of Jerusalem was just filled, absolutely filled to the brim with Jewish people that were there to celebrate Passover. 
So this was an extremely public event on one of the most public days that it could possibly be. And Jesus is going through the city on a main road to get to Calvary, carrying this cross on his back. And all these people are following behind him, watching all of this. The Romans, I'm sure, are calling something out, saying, oh, this man, Jesus, you know, did this and this and this. And that's why he's a criminal. And that's why he's about to die, because that was the typical thing that the Romans would do. They would go ahead and behind Jesus, uh, declaring these things so that all these people would come out and watch what was going on. So a bunch of women are following Jesus and they're mourning him. They are mourning everything that's going on. And it's possible that Jesus's mother was part of those uh, mourning women. So Jesus turns to them and he says, daughters of Jerusalem, don't weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. And so then Jesus speaks this prophecy about what's going to happen to Jerusalem. And what Jesus is referring to is what happens several years after this in about AD 70, when the, the uh, Roman soldiers come in and literally decimate Jerusalem and killed almost every single person in that city. This was a huge genocidal upheaval for the Jewish people because tensions between the Jews and the Romans were getting so bad and the Jews were beginning to um, stand up against the Romans. The Romans didn't like that very much and they barricaded the city of Jerusalem and ended up killing tons of people in that city. And they also did it, I believe, if I remember correctly, during Passover when there were immigrants coming into the city. So it was a huge, huge uh, mass genocide to the people of Jerusalem and to many uh, Jewish immigrants as well. So Jesus is referring to this when he says, don't weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children about this terrible thing that's going to happen to the city. And then Jesus says in verse 31 here, if they do these things in the green tree, what will be done in the dry? So in other words, Jesus is this green tree. He's the one that's bringing life to the people. And yet these people here are killing Jesus, who is completely innocent of any wrongdoing. But when Jesus is gone, Jesus is saying, what are they going to do when I'm gone? If they do this to me, what are they going to do to you? So weep for yourselves and for your children. This has kind of been a theme that Jesus has been talking about for about a week now, ever since he went into the city of Jerusalem a week prior to this, he began mourning the city as he was like on that the back of the donkey going down to the city. He was literally crying and weeping and mourning for Jerusalem and for what was going to happen with Jerusalem. And Jesus has mentioned this several times now and right here as well. So now in verse 32, there were two criminals that were being put to death along with Jesus. So they came to the place that is called Calvary or the skull. And they crucified him there with the criminals, one on the right and the other on the left. And Jesus was in the middle. So Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. Now, of course, Jesus is in the very public place, obviously. And that's what Calvary would have been. It would have been a very, very public place that anybody walking on a main road would have been able to see. So Jesus was publicly on that cross. And so he says this prayer. He says, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. 
So people hear this prayer that Jesus is forgiving these people that are crucifying him. And we find out from, I think, the book of Mark that tells us that both criminals at the very beginning of being crucified were actually opposed to Jesus. Both of them were. They were both mocking him and making fun of him. But later on, we see here that this criminal, the criminal on the right side, had a change of heart because Jesus was on the cross for several hours. So I do not believe that the account in Mark where he says that both criminals were mocking Jesus on the crosses, I don't believe that that's a contradiction. Rather, I think that was very early on in the crucifixion process. And as time is going by, as hours are passing, and these criminals are getting closer and closer to death, and Jesus is saying prayers like these, like, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. I think the criminal on the right-hand side of Jesus started to have a, a change of thought a little bit as he sees what's going on here, as he sees these people mocking Jesus and Jesus praying for them. I mean, as he's being crucified, I can imagine that was a very life-changing thing for this criminal on the cross. So it says that all these people were just mocking Jesus. They divided his garments. They took everything from him and they cast lots for his garments. These Roman soldiers, the people stood watching the rulers that were with these people, the priests and everybody else that hated Jesus, who were finally getting what they wanted, which was to see their Messiah hung on a cross. They're mocking him. They're saying, he saved others. Let him save himself if this is the Christ of God, his chosen one. But yet that was the thing. Jesus was literally saving others right now. And Jesus was not going to save himself because he cared so much about the people of the world that he chose to give his life at that moment. So he wasn't going to save himself. He was doing this as a mercy. And these uh, elders and chief priests are making fun of Jesus for literally saving the world. So then the soldiers were also mocking him. And so this is this is the thing. It wasn't just the Jewish people. It was the Roman soldiers. It was immigrants that were coming to the city. It was many people who were mocking Jesus here. The soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar and saying, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. So they're making fun of this poor Jewish man hanging up on the cross because this inscription was written over top of Jesus in letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew so that everybody could read it because those were the three famous uh, languages back in these days, though uh, Hebrew was starting to die out a little bit by this point. But it says, this is the king of the Jews is what this uh, sign said. So, I mean, how mocking is that, right? So now we start talking about this criminal who was hung on Jesus's left side. Actually, it doesn't say if it was left or right. <laughs> Does it say somewhere else that if it was left or right? Now I have to look this up. I'm not going to look it up today. But uh, if you guys know the answer to that, it was the criminal on the left, the bad guy, and the criminal on the right, the good guy? Or does, is that just depicted like that? Now, I'm curious about this. Let me know if you know the answer to that. But right here, it doesn't actually say if this uh, bad criminal was on the left or the right. But anyway, it just says one of the criminals who was hanged insulted him, saying, if you are the Christ, save yourself and us. 
But now this other criminal rebuked this criminal hanging on the cross. Now, once again, hours had probably passed by the time that they were uh, crucified. And crucifixion was supposed to be a long and torturous death very long. In fact, the Romans were very good at extending it as long as they possibly could. And so sometimes people would be on the cross for a couple days. This is how bad things were for people who were crucified. In fact, the word um, excruciating actually comes from the word crucified. So the other criminal rebukes the, the criminal that made fun of Jesus. And he says, don't you even fear God? You are under the same condemnation and we indeed justly for we received the due reward for our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. So clearly this criminal here figured it out. He realized how innocent Jesus was. He had eyes that were able to see what was going on. They were able to see these people mocking Jesus and how Jesus is blessing them, forgiving them, praying for them. I mean, imagine that. I mean, I mean, imagine how much pain Jesus is going through. You know, when I, the other day I had a really bad migraine, I told you guys about it. And when I get migraines, I can't think of anything other than myself. I'm not even joking. Like, I just think I need to go upstairs. And I need to sleep. I need to sleep this off. I can't do anything. I can't take care of my dog. I can't take care of my husband. My husband's got to do everything. I just can't do a single thing. <laughs> When I have a migraine, I can't think of anything other than myself. And honestly, that's that's typical human nature. When we're sick, we want to do everything we can to make ourselves feel better. But Jesus, who is literally dying, the most excruciating death that you can possibly die, is thinking about other people on the cross. I can imagine that to this criminal, this was uh, just insane to him. So he, he starts to realize like, wow, Jesus here is truly the king of the Jews. So he says to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. So right then and there, he's saved. He believes in Jesus. So Jesus says to him, assuredly, I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. So he tells this, this man on the cross, look, you are going to be with me in paradise Today, I can imagine that that was very comforting for this criminal on the cross, that he was going to have a quicker death. He was going to go into paradise with Jesus that very day. So this brings me to the question I asked at the beginning. Where did Jesus go after he died? Because many people believe that Jesus actually went down to hell. And that was something that I thought for a very, very long period of time. But there's actually nothing in scripture that says that Jesus went down to hell. Now, the reason that that belief system kind of got famous was because of a handful of verses where it says that Jesus went to the grave or he went to Sheol. But in the Old Testament, Sheol did not mean hell. Sheol actually meant the grave. And there's several times in the Old Testament where David, the psalmist, is saying, you aren't going to leave my soul in Sheol. Now, of course, the King James Version actually translated that verse to say hell, like, Lord, you're not going to leave my soul in hell. But the fact is, David wasn't going to go to hell when he died because he was a righteous man. He had faith in God. And so a lot of people think that Jesus did, in fact, go down to hell. 
But personally, because of this verse and because there's really no mention of Jesus specifically going to hell for our sins, I don't actually believe that Jesus did go to hell after he died. Now, that is my own belief system. That is my own opinion. And I would love to hear your guys' opinions on that, whether or not you think Jesus went to hell for our sins or not. But one other piece of evidence that's kind of changed my belief system was actually um, when Jesus says, it is finished, when he cries out, it is finished on the cross. So if things are finished on the cross, why would he have to go down to hell? And when I thought about that logically, it didn't actually make sense to me that Jesus would have to go to hell for our sins if it was finished on the cross. So where I think that Jesus went after he died, I believe he went to a place called Abraham's bosom. (laughs) You might have heard me talk about it before, but Abraham's bosom was paradise. And we know based upon a story that Jesus talked about of Abraham's bosom was that there was a chasm between it, this chasm that literally no one could cross. And one side of it was the people who were in the cursed area, which was basically hell. And the other side was the people that were in paradise in comfort. And both of them would have been Sheol. And that's personally what I believe. Jesus did say that he was going to be in paradise that very day with that uh, criminal on the cross. So I do think that Jesus went to Sheol, or in other words, paradise or Abraham's bosom. That's where I think Jesus went after he died, though I'd love to hear your guys' opinions about this. If you have anything else to comment on that, contact me about it. You can find my information in the bio of this podcast episode. But friends and faithful listeners, I'm going to end this episode for today, and I hope that you all have just a wonderful Christmas holiday and that you are beginning to enjoy the beautiful Christmas season that is upon us. (laughs) And I hope that you also tune in tomorrow for an episode out of Deuteronomy. Until next time, happy listening and God bless. God bless.